Good morning. So good to be together this morning. Appreciate the time we've already been able to spend in worship, and I especially appreciate the time we're going to be able to spend thinking about the Word of God together. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter 12. If you'd like to follow along with me, Romans chapter 12. And this morning, we're going to be looking at just one verse. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11. If you'll join me there. Romans chapter 12, verse 11. I think my clicker's acting up a little bit on me this morning, so is that Cody up there? I'll just tell you to advance the slides for me, okay? Appreciate the guys up there. Whoa! Haven't even told the story yet, but let's leave it there. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes watching videos on social media or YouTube can be very addicting. It's like you watch it, you think, for five or ten minutes, but then you look up at the clock on the wall and it's been like 30 or 45 Especially when the next video automatically plays. You know, you watch a video and then the next video plays automatically. Sometimes it can be very hard to break the cycle. While there are certainly some videos that as Christians we should stay away from, there are certainly some videos that we shouldn't watch. But there are also some videos that are really heartwarming. Some videos that are really funny. Among a list of other things, one thing that we're able to see is how excited people get about a lot of different things. So on this first slide, I saw a video about a 15-month-old boy named Case. He loved anything with a motor on it. So when his mom decided to take him to the county fair to watch the four-wheeler races, I mean, you can just see the excitement on his face on the next slide. He's ready to go, isn't he? (laughs) On the next slide, I saw another little boy, just a little bit older. His parents brought him into the living room one morning and told him to close his eyes. They took him by the hand and walked him to the back door, told him to open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw snow, snow in the backyard, the first snow of the season. And he was so excited about it. The first words out of his mouth were, let's go get on our coats. And the parents messed with him just a little bit. They said, well, I think we might need to eat breakfast first. And there are a few things that we need to do before we go out and play in the snow. Well, to that, he responded, threatening to throw snowballs at him. And then when they finally said that he could go outside and play in the snow before breakfast, he started talking about how he was going to build the biggest snowman in the entire world. He was really excited about it. On the next slide, I think this one was my favorite video that I came across. It was of a grandfather who received a pair of shoes for his birthday. Just a little bit of background on him. You know the pair of shoes that light up whenever you take a step? Like when the heel makes contact with the ground, it lights up? Well, he had been amazed about those for about eight years, but he thought they were only made for children. So on his birthday, he's opening up his presents. He opens up this specific present, and he pulls out a pair of Nikes. He wasn't too impressed at the time. He wasn't too enthusiastic until he started playing with it, And on the next slide, it lit up. And so he jumped up. He was really excited. He said, this is so amazing. I've been wanting these for so long. Uh, On the next slide, you can see it on his face, how excited he is, the big smile that he has. And then on the next slide, he even had to take over his, his shoes to show to his grandkids that he now has these light up shoes. I like to think 
that that man's still somewhere in the world wearing his light-up Nikes. I'd like to think that. On the next slide, anybody know where this picture came from? I know where we are. I know what colors people like to wear. This picture is from a video that was taken after Kentucky beat number 10 Florida, which as a Tennessee fan, I was really happy with. Needless to say, Kentucky fans were pretty excited that they were so excited that they decided to storm the field and they had a celebration there that lasted for a good amount of time. You know what videos, these videos and videos like these tell me? On the next slide, they tell me that as people, we're capable of being really excited about a lot of different things. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic status is. Whether we're talking about a four-wheeler race, whether we're talking about snow in the backyard, whether we're talking about getting a light-up pair of shoes for your birthday, or winning a really big football game, as people, we are all passionate about something. As people, there's something in our lives that gets us excited. On the next slide, what is it for you? What are you passionate about? What gets you excited? Maybe it's the relationships that you have. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your schoolwork. Maybe it's your hobbies. Something you like to do. Maybe it's a show that you like to watch. Maybe it's a football team that you really enjoy. What are you passionate about? What gets you excited? Next slide. Did anybody answer that question by saying the Lord? Did anybody answer that question by saying, I am passionate about God? That might be the answer that you would expect in a sermon, right? In what we're talking about and and where we are. But is it true in your life? Are you passionate about God? Do you get excited about spiritual things? Can I tell you what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that we get so excited about four-wheeler races, snow in the backyard, getting a pair of light-up shoes that you've wanted for eight years, winning a big football game. I'm afraid that we get so passionate about who we are and what we do, the hobbies that we have, the things that we enjoy. But actually, that's not what I'm afraid of because there's nothing really wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with being passionate or excited about who you are, the relationships that you have, or the things that you enjoy. What I'm afraid of is that we get so passionate about physical things, but then we don't have any passion for God. We don't have any excitement for spiritual things. Instead, we just go through the motions whenever it comes to Him. Oh, we get really excited about who we are. We get really excited about what we do on a daily basis. We get really excited about the things that we enjoy, but then it's so easy for us to become complacent whenever it comes to our relationships with not just the One who has created us, but the One who loves us. The One who has saved our souls. On the next slide, this morning we're starting a sermon series that we're going to entitle, Be Passionate. From now until the end of the year, 
from now until the end of 2021, we're going to be thinking about this theme together. Having a passion for God. What kills our passion for God? How we can have a greater, more powerful, more dynamic passion for God. Because that's the kind of people we should be. That's the kind of lives that we should live. We should be people who are excited about spiritual things. People who are passionate about our Creator and Savior. I want us to introduce that sermon series today. I want us to begin that study today by looking at three commands that the Apostle Paul gives in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Before we do that though, let's give just a little bit of context. On the next slide, when you look at the book of Romans, it's a very deep, systematic approach to the topic of being justified by faith. If we look at that very briefly, if we look at the book of Romans from a 3,000 foot view, we can see that it's roughly divided up into four different parts. First, in the first four chapters, we see our need for justification by faith. Paul says it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew, it doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile, there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. Because of our sinful decisions, we all stand in need of being justified by faith. Okay, what happens when I am justified by faith? Well, if we'll click that again in chapters 5 through 8, Paul talks about the results of being justified by faith. Whether those results are what I experience immediately in this life or what or whether they are the results that I will experience ultimately in the life that's coming, Paul says, here's my need to be justified by faith. And then when I make that decision, here's what happens. Here are the results. And if we click again, chapters 9-11 through 11 talk about the Jews' rejection of justification by faith. Paul looks at some of his own countrymen, Jews, physically, and talks about how they've chosen to reject what God offers to the world through Jesus. He talks about some of the theological implications of that. If you've ever taken the time to walk through chapters 9-11 through 11 in Romans, they're very deep. Some things that Paul talks about there can be very hard, but yet very be beneficial to understand. On the next slide, Paul takes a very serious shift when he gets to chapter 12. Chapters 12 through chapter 16 of the book of Romans all the way to the end talks about the practicality of justification by faith. In other words, how does chapters 1 through 11 impact my life? That when I am justified by faith and I've experienced those results and I see my need for it, how does that change the way that I live? How does that change the decisions I make? How does that alter the kind of person I am? Well, that's what you see in chapters 12 through chapter 16 of the book of Romans. If we zero in on chapter 12, if we click one more time, chapter 12 verses 9 through 21 is a section of scripture where Paul gives very short, concise commands for what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus on a daily basis. And it's in that section of scripture on the next slide that we see Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, where Paul offers three commands to us that I think do a very good job of introducing what we're going to be talking about throughout the rest of the year, be passionate. Command number one. Paul says, do not be slothful in zeal. Other translations translate that saying, don't lag behind. Don't lag behind in your zeal. On the next slide, whenever Leslie and I go out in public, 
whenever we're walking through a store or walking through the mall or something like that, I like to walk really fast. I don't know how many of you might be like that. I like to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. I have the destination on my mind. But if you click again, Leslie's not quite like that. She likes to walk a little bit more leisurely. Instead of getting from point A to point B as quickly as possible, well, I'm walking from point A and I see this over here. Well, let's stop and look at this for just a second. And then, and then I see this over here, and eventually we get to point B. As you can tell, those two things don't really go well together. So it doesn't take me very long to get five or six steps ahead of her. It's not uncommon for me to look over my shoulder and say, Come on, Les. Don't lag behind. Get up here with me. Let, let, let's get to where we're going. Of course, what I forget in that is that my legs are about two times as long as hers. So a fast walk for me is almost like a jog for her, like she's starting to break a sweat. But go to the next slide. Paul says, here's where your zeal should be. He says, here's what your passion should look like. He says, here's how excited you should be about spiritual things. Now get the message, don't lag behind. Don't lag behind where you should be. Take your passion, take your zeal, take your excitement for the Lord and bring it to where it should be. Other translations translate this simply saying, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy spiritually. Don't be lazy in your relationship with God. Kind of reminds me of the story on the next slide of the manager who accepted an application from somebody at his business firm. Sadly, he had to turn the applicant away. He said, we just have too many people. We're overstaffed. This must have been before COVID, right? He said, we're, we're overstaffed. We just can't take another person. And the applicant begged him for the job. Please give me the job. Please, please don't turn me away. You won't even notice the little amount of work that I'll do. It's like, it's like I won't even be here. I'm going to do so little work. I've never heard someone appeal for a job based on laziness based on the work that they're not going to do. If we flip over to the next slide, we shouldn't be lazy as workers. But even more importantly, we shouldn't be lazy as Christians. Well, I just don't feel like going back to services tonight. I have a really busy week ahead. I need to relax for that. I think I'm going to stay home tonight. I'm about to go to bed and instead of opening up my Bible and allowing him to talk to me or spending some time in prayer, me talking to him, I think I'm going to watch another episode of my favorite show. And then I'm going to turn in for the night. I'm in this conversation at work. I'm in this conversation with a friend and he's wanting to talk about spiritual things. He's wanting to talk about God, the Bible, and the church. And I don't think I'm going to say anything. I don't think I'm going to add anything to that conversation you know what Paul says to that? He says, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy spiritually. Don't be lazy in your relationship with God. We cannot both be passionate and lazy at the same time. So command number one, he says, do not be slothful in zeal. Command number two, be fervent in spirit. The Greek word there that's translated as fervent literally refers to something that's hot. Something that's hot as if it's on fire. It's frequently used outside of the New Testament in other writings in Greek to refer to water that has reached its boiling point. Water that's so hot that it's boiling over. That's a beautiful depiction 
That's a powerful illustration for what we should look like as followers of Jesus. We should be hot spiritually. We should be on fire for God. We should be so on fire for God that we are boiling over. If we go to the next slide, we shouldn't be cold spiritually. We shouldn't be like water that's poured into ice. But if we go to the next slide, Jesus makes it very clear to the church at Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3 that we shouldn't be lukewarm either. We shouldn't be like water that's left at room temperature. Laodicea knew about lukewarm water. In the city of Hierapolis in the first century world, there were hot springs. And they built an aqueduct that went westward to the city of Laodicea that would carry the water from the hot springs to Laodicea. Well, by the time the water flowed through the aqueduct, by the time the water got from the hot springs in Hierapolis to Laodicea, it wasn't hot anymore. It was lukewarm. And so Jesus looks at the church at Laodicea and He looks at the church today and says, I don't want you to be lukewarm spiritually. I don't want you to be complacent in your faith. I don't want you to live as if spiritual things don't really matter one way or the other. It's not a place where I have one foot on one side of the fence and one foot on the other side of the fence. Jesus says, if you're lukewarm, verse 16, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. In the verse before that one, He actually says, I would rather you be cold than be lukewarm. We shouldn't be cold. We shouldn't be lukewarm. We shouldn't be like water and ice. We shouldn't be like water that's left out at room temperature. Then what should we be like? On the next slide, we should be like water that's reached its boiling point. Water that is so hot that it's boiling over. On the next slide, be fervent in spirit. If you flip over to the next slide there. Yeah, Paul says it the very being of who we are in all the decisions that we make we should be on fire for God. Perhaps you're familiar on the next slide with the song, Light the Fire. This is a song where we're asking God to give us exactly what Paul commands in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11. Here's the, the first verse and chorus of that song. It says, I stand to praise you, but I fall on my knees. My spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. So what do I ask for? Light the fire in my soul. Fan the flame. Make me whole. Lord, You know just where I've been. So light the fire in my heart again. That shouldn't just be a prayer that we pray. That shouldn't just be a song that we sing. That should be who we are. In the very depth of our being, in every decision that we make, I want to be on fire for the Lord. I want to be passionate about Him. I want to be enthusiastic and excited for spiritual things. Light the fire in my heart again. Command number two, be fervent in spirit. So when you look at these first two commands, Paul says, here's what you shouldn't do. And then here's what you should do instead. He says, don't be slothful in zeal. Instead, be fervent in spirit. Don't be lazy spiritually. Instead, be on fire for God. Boil over for Him. And then the third command, serve the Lord. Think about what we've been saying so far. Be passionate. Don't be slothful in zeal. Instead, be fervent in spirit. Don't be lazy. Instead, have passion. 
be on fire. For what? What are those two commands directed at? You could take those first two commands in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 and apply them in so many different areas in your life. And maybe we would be better people if we did. We could take those first two commands to apply them to ourselves, to our relationships, our families, our jobs, our schools, our hobbies, what we like to do, what we enjoy. Whatever it is, those first two commands could apply to any area of our lives. But that's not what Paul does in Romans 12. The third command in verse 11 drives the first two. The third command tells us where we should direct the first two commands. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. But for what? Serve the Lord. The Greek word there for serve literally refers to a servant. It refers to someone who is a slave. As Christians, we're not volunteers. Maybe sometimes we think about it that way, or we phrase it that way, or we live that way. As Christians, we're not volunteers. You know why? Because volunteers get to choose when they volunteer. And they get to choose what they volunteer for. I'm only going to volunteer for this if I want to do it. I'm only going to volunteer at this time if I'm available. As Christians, we are not volunteers. We are slaves. We are servants. For who? On the next slide, in the 20th century, there's a pretty well-known economist and diplomat named John Galbraith. He had a really busy day one day. So before dinner, he decided to take a short nap. He told his housekeeper to hold all of his phone calls and to not disturb him while he went into his room to take a nap. Well, a few minutes after he went into his room, a few minutes after he shut the door, the phone rang. The housekeeper picked it up. And on the other end of the phone, she heard, this is President Lyndon Johnson. Get me John Galbraith right now. I need to talk to him in this moment. And the housekeeper said, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. President. He's taking a nap right now. He's had a very long day. He told me not to disturb him. He said, don't you understand who I am? This is the President of the United States. Go and wake him up. I need to talk to him right now. The President was stern, but the housekeeper was even more stern. She said, respectfully, Mr. President, I'm not going to do that. Because I don't work for you. I work for him. You know what Lyndon Johnson did? He hung up the phone, talked to his White House staff, and said, I need you to call back that housekeeper. I want her in the White House right now. That's the kind of person that he wanted serving. On the next slide, as Christians, we're not volunteers. We're slaves. We're servants. For who, though? Who do we work for? Ourselves? Other people? Sin? It's not any of that, is it? As Christians, we are servants. We are slaves who belong to the Lord. We've been purchased with His blood, and so we need to live like it. We belong to Him. And that should be reflected in every single decision that we make. That my life is not about me, and your life is not about you. 
Our lives are not about pleasing other people. Our lives are not about doing what we want to do and and wandering into the wilderness of sin. Our lives should be all about the Lord. Our lives should be all about Jesus doing what He wants us to do because we are slaves, we are servants who belong to Him. Can you see how that third command drives the first two? How the third command directs the first two commands in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11? Paul says, be passionate. Don't be lazy. Be enthusiastic. Be excited about the Lord. About having the opportunity to serve Him on a daily basis. See, this is what we're going to be talking about from now till the end of the year. I think this does a good job of of introducing what we're going to be saying. Be passionate. In other words, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Dedicate your life to serving the Lord. On the next slide, I came across another story about an English actor who lived long ago named William McCready. A preacher came up to him one day and said, William, I want you to answer something for me. He said, well, I don't know if I can answer anything for a preacher, but I'll do the best I can. He said, what's the difference between me and you? You present fiction. And the crowds come from everywhere. The crowds follow you wherever you go. He said, I present the unchangeable, eternal, essential Word of God. And nobody comes. Nobody's interested. Nobody wants to listen. What's the difference between me and you? And McCready said, well, that's actually a very easy question for me to answer. He said, I present my fiction as if it's truth. And you present your truth as if it's fiction. Church, can I ask you not to present the truth like it's fiction? Be excited about it. Be enthusiastic about it. Be passionate. On the next slide, don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit as you serve the Lord. Don't present the truth like it's fiction. Are you living that kind of life? Are you that kind of person? Are you a Romans chapter 12 and verse 11 Christian? Maybe you've allowed the flame to die out. It doesn't have to stay out. Maybe you've allowed your fire for God to dim. It doesn't have to stay dim. Maybe you've never ignited the flame in the first place by making the decision to be buried with Jesus in the waters of baptism and rising up to walk in the newness of life. Well, we would love to serve you. We would love to assist you in any way that we can as together we stand and sing. Who at the door?